Welcome to Honestly Haunted. to Honestly Haunted. We're your hosts, Erin Grogan and Abby Chowning. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories from Christmases long, long ago. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. We had to. Scary ghost stories. Scary ghost stories. (laughs) Anyway, guess what we're talking about today, guys? Scary ghost stories. We are taking the scary ghost stories to heart this week, as the holidays have us feeling quite festive and ready to talk about some ghosts. While it sounds odd at first, ghost stories have always been a part of Christmas lore, and it didn't start with Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol either, even though it is one of my personal favorites. True. And also probably the scary ghost stories this song talks about. Yes, likely. It is the, the, the Andy Williams classic. Yes, it is the heart of that. But it exists beyond that song as well. Humbug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, while Christmas is one of the widely celebrated holidays around the globe, the origins of this winter holiday started with the celebration of winter solstice, which pagans referred to as Yule. Yule took place on the darkest day of the year, and many believe that it is a day where the spirit world has much greater access to the physical world and to the living. When the Christian take on the winter holiday emerged around 350 AD, a very interesting blend of pagan symbolism and religious rituals started to spread. So take that, plus shorter days of the year, colder temps, and it just sort of makes sense that people would bond together during an odd time of the year where there is nostalgia for ancient traditions and lore, the perfect setting for storytelling or ghost stories. And while the history of Christmas, Yule, and dozens of other winter festivals that take place across the globe this time of year are fascinating, it's not the story we want to tell you all today. We wanted to share with you the true story behind the legend of Bloody Mary in the game that has haunted slumber parties for almost a century. Many of you might be familiar with the game Bloody Mary, but for those who aren't, we will explain it. There are a few variations, but the main version of the game goes something like this. One person goes into a room with a mirror, usually a bathroom with no windows or extra light. The lights are turned off, and the person must stand in front of the mirror in total darkness, with the exception of a lit candle or flashlight. That person must say the name Bloody Mary three times. Legend goes that a bloody woman or a woman clothed only in red will appear in the mirror and will threaten to come after you or your children. And then she vanishes. Bloody Mary was actually a real historical figure, Queen Mary I, who was the first queen regent of England. The only child of King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon was born on February 18th, 1516. And if you know anything about the reign of Henry VIII, you can guess that Mary had a bit of a rough go in her life. <laughs> little bit, little, little bit, probably. Those Tudors. Her father famously divorced her mother and had her exiled when she could not produce a male heir. Mary was forbidden to see her mother ever again. After, her father married Anne Boleyn and had another daughter, Elizabeth. 
Anne Boleyn was worried that Mary would make it impossible for her daughter to assume the throne, and she forced Parliament to declare Mary illegitimate, and she succeeded. Later, Henry VIII had Anne Boleyn beheaded for treason, and while the illegitimacy from Mary's name was removed, it still greatly tarnished her reputation. Mary also struggled with many health issues that began in her adolescence. She likely suffered from severe endometriosis, or uterine cancer, but since female monarchs were unable to be seen by physicians at that time, Mary suffered from heavy menstrual bleeding and horribly irregular periods for her entire life. This caused Mary great physical and psychological distress, and she dealt with depression and melancholia frequently. Despite all of her tribulations, Mary fought her way back to the line of secession and assumed the throne of England in 1553 at the age of 37. She promptly married Philip of Spain in order to produce an heir. Philip was 10 years younger than Mary and perhaps a little less enthused about the marriage than she was, but he did indeed consummate the marriage with Mary and within two months of their marriage, Mary declared herself pregnant. Although Mary's poor health was a major discussion point amongst the nobles, and many believed she was experiencing a false pregnancy. Even though Mary experienced all the normal signs of pregnancy, her due date came and went and she ultimately never gave birth, and her swollen belly eventually began to shrink on its own. Mary believed that she had been punished by God for failing in her attempt to unify England under one true church, a.k.a. Catholicism, <laughs> in quotes. Uh, thanks to her father's abandonment of the Catholic Church, there was a lot of turmoil between Protestants and Catholics in England. And what else is new? <laughs> yup. Same story, different year. Just before Christmas in 1554, Mary signed an edict that resulted in the Marian Persecutions, in which 220 men and 60 women were sentenced to death for being Protestant heretics. All 280 people were burned at the stake. Thus, Mary earned her new title, Bloody Mary. These executions are cited as justification for labeling her as like one of the most evil humans of all time, and it even depicts her as a flesh eater in some stories. After this, she maintained an image of a mad and tyrannical monarch. 16th century writer Bartholomew Traheron wrote this about her. She swimmeth in the holy blood of most innocent, virtuous, and excellent personages. <laughs> Which is ironic, since she shed no more blood in her reign than any male monarch that preceded her, especially her own father. Yeah, it's a little sexist, Bartholomew, but yeah, whatever. I mean, what else is new there? Also, same soup, different spoon. Yeah. And, like, I know, like, she obviously was still was responsible for the death of 280 people, and, like, that doesn't make her a saint, but it's, like, the idea that she was depicted as bloody Mary Tudor yeah. after one, one, like, it just seems, yeah, like... Yeah, one order that, yeah. So following the drama with the Marian persecutions, Mary believed herself to be pregnant once more years later. But instead, she had entered into early menopause, and at only 42 years old, Mary died. She likely died of uterine or ovarian cancer, and her half-sister Elizabeth assumed the throne in 1559. While it is difficult to pinpoint the exact time where the Bloody Mary legend became a game, recorded stories of those who have played the game start around the early 1980s and 90s. Folklorist Alan Dundes actually made the suggestion that the game, which is most frequently played by young women, is less about experiencing a ghostly encounter, but more about this idea of an initiation ritual for girls who are about to enter into puberty and menstruation. There are other theories about who Mary could be, too. While the most popular theory is that Bloody Mary is indeed Mary Tudor, 
Some also speculate it could be Elizabeth Bathory, who was known as the Queen of Blood, who was an alleged serial killer in Hungary in the 1600s. Some also say it could be Mary Worth, who was a woman convicted of witchcraft and sentenced to death during the Salem witch trials. There are hundreds of stories of those who believe they have really encountered Bloody Mary in their mirrors, but we wanted to read to you a few of the most chilling ones we found. So here's our first story. Me and my friend did Bloody Mary a while ago. We flushed the toilet and said Bloody Mary three times. All of a sudden, a face popped up into the mirror. My friend was so scared she couldn't breathe. I slapped her in the face and she ran out. And I was in there all alone. I was scared of what was going to happen next. I tried to run out, but the door wouldn't open even though it was unlocked. She was holding it. She was back into the mirror and I saw her with a baby. She threw it to me and I didn't catch it. It disappeared. I turned on the light and there was blood on the mirror. I had a red mark on my face and so did my friend, even though she wasn't there. It was so creepy. I still have that red mark and so does she. We can only see it in the mirror when we turn off the lights. The weird thing is, no one but us can see it. Another story goes like this. My friend followed me into the bathroom and stood outside. She said, I don't think you should do this. What if it's real? I was still scared out of my mind, but I wanted to be the brave one, and I had always wanted to test it. So I did the same old ritual. I stared into the mirror. Nothing. I called her name three times. I stared in all the corners. Then right as I was about to turn on the switch, I caught a glimpse of someone. I looked closer. It was black and white, and her mouth was wide open. I expected to hear a scream, but there was dead silence. There was black all around her eyes, and she was a clear image. I was frozen, so I just stood there looking. Then her arms lifted up, and her hands were bright red. A few of her nails were gone, and some were just about to be peeled off. When the hand appeared to grab my shoulders, a chill ran down my spine, and a rush of cold air blew on my back. I screamed bloody murder, turned on the switch, and ran out the door. My friend was standing with her mouth open, and I hugged her. I don't know why, though. I started crying. I was so scared. I covered all the mirrors in my house. My mom didn't really care, and I still don't use that bathroom. Here's another. I was nine when me and my friends tried doing Bloody Mary at my house one weekend. As well as I remember, there were five of us, and we carried my mom's candles in the upstairs bathroom, and all five of us were chanting Bloody Mary. We then saw an old woman with cuts on her face and chains around her neck and shoulders looking out of the mirror at us. Then, the shower curtain went up in flames, and we ran out of the bathroom. An older boy ran into the bathroom, and luckily for us, the fire got put out. We all got in big trouble for it. And the parents thought we caught the shower curtain on fire with the candles, but we had the candles at least six feet from the shower curtain when it suddenly went up in flames. I know for a fact that we did not touch that shower curtain with a candle. Another story. We ran to the washroom and lit all the candles in there. And we all spun around with our eyes closed, chanting Bloody Mary three times. After the third time, we opened our eyes and stared in the mirror. I swore I saw through the mirror in the window that there was a woman, all bloody, her face almost completely gone, but screaming. My friends heard the screaming, but they couldn't see her. I was wondering from there to now why I was the only one who could see Mary. And we didn't sleep for weeks. Another story. I and some friends were over at my grandma's house when we all went into the bathroom where we had several candles burning. 
Several girls were chanting Bloody Mary in that bathroom when there was a brilliant flash of light and we all saw a very old, scary woman that looked like her flesh was rotting off standing there in the bathroom with us. You could smell the most horrible smell of rotting flesh there in that bathroom. And then the old woman was gone. I know from then on I was scared to go back in that bathroom. About four months later, my friend Amber wrecked her new car and she kept telling her mom and dad and me that Bloody Mary was there in the car with her just before she wrecked and that Bloody Mary had grabbed the steering wheel and caused her to wreck. Just a short time later, Amber was found drowned in the bathroom upstairs in her parents' house. I know that I've always wondered if Bloody Mary killed Amber. I promise you this is a true story and it still scares me. Our last story is, all of us cramped into my cousin's bathroom in front of the bathroom mirror and decided to chant Bloody Mary over and over again. We chanted for over 20 times, but nothing happened. Thoroughly satisfied that it was just an urban legend, we were about to go out of the bathroom when a tiny red triangle started to appear in the center of the mirror. The triangle grew bigger and bigger, while me and my friends started to scream and quickly opened the door and ran to see the grown-ups, while my cousin stared at the mirror bathed in red light. He was too shocked to move while we caught him by the arm and dragged him out of the room. And he realized that he was totally in shock as he was staring blankly at us with no voice. Moments later, I heard the glass mirror break into pieces. All of us, including my cousin's friends, were totally freaked out. Even now, two years later, we still refuse to speak of the incident, but the memory has earned a place in my mind forever. And honestly, we could go on and on. On and on. There's dozens and dozens of encounters of people who have experienced and this And I'm phenomenon. sure many of you listeners and listening right now have had your own experiences with Bloody Mary as well. I I don't I don't think I've ever played it necessarily or at least on purpose myself. However, I know I've definitely been at parties or sleepovers where it was at the very least talked about and maybe done by some people there, or I blocked it out, I guess, because I don't, I don't, I can't remember for a fact if I've ever actually done it. And if I, if I did, it would have been when I was very young. Yeah, so that's, that's my story too. I played it, I think probably at a few birthday parties yeah. as, a, as a little kid, say little, probably like preteen age. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember, like, seeing specifically anything in the mirror when we played, but I did remember the f- friends would, it just depended, but I know I was the victim once of getting locked in there. Like, yeah. your friends holding the door shut so you couldn't get out. And there's, like, a deep moment of panic oh, there. Oh, sure. And I don't recall, like, looking at the mirror to see if anything was there after we had done it. But it's this creepy mm-hmm. thing of, like, you're all in there with your friends because sometimes you'd play with your friends or you play by yourself. Yeah. It depends. But your friends would like be in there with you and say it with you and then they'd run out and leave somebody behind. Mm. And it was just such a cruel thing to do to somebody. But that's what middle school girls are just like. It's true. I mean, I think back to my late elementary middle school sleepovers and they were full of all of these types of sleepover games. Like that like bloody mary type things but other ones that were similarly as weird um like i mean light as a feather stiff as a board yeah that was a big one ouija boards ouija boards uh it was there a hasbro were, game there were two that i have like distinct memories of doing that were pretty dark for like and they were the they were ones where you would like go into 
a room with one other person and it would be dark and they would like tell you a story almost but they would be like either like they would be like doing something on your head or arms or something yeah. and it was like almost like they were trying to trance you and you and like there the one i remember was like you were going through these rooms and there were doors and different things yeah. and then and then when you open your eyes you're supposed to see the devil run across your yes. eyes and then there was another one and i think this might just be because I quite literally was in middle school on Long Island uh, shortly after 9-11, but there was a 9-11 one, too. Oh. There was a Twin Tower one where you, when you open your eyes, you were falling from the towers. <gasps> oh my goodness. Again, this is likely a product of the fact that I was in fifth grade when 9-11 happened living on Long Island. Sure. So <laughs> one of those yeah. developed from that. But, like, I have these distinct memories of it being an integral part of being a young girl at a sleepover slumber mm -hmm. party type thing. These yeah. games, it was bound to us. Happen. I know. And that's why I felt like the whole idea, like the folklorist talking about like how this is kind of a rite of passage. It's yeah. Around puberty, puberty and stuff like that. Like yeah. I, I buy that because absolutely. that is, that is absolutely when all of this was happening for me. It's storytelling, it's it's proving yourself, it's like a bravery thing, it's it's also like it also depends on like the personality type of like the people that you were friends with, but it's kind of like there's always an alpha girl. Yeah. Who is is daring or betting that you won't do it or that you should or that we should do this. Yep. And there so there's already like power dynamics at play and understanding where you fall in that yeah. power structure. Going into adolescence is always so hard. And so the idea that like the whole legend of Bloody Mary is not necessarily that it was created for this, but that it is almost like a rite of passage for to get you ready for the fact that like you're gonna bleed in the bathroom a lot, so get used to seeing blood in the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally the first story that I told had part of their ritual, which I hadn't heard about in other rituals, is literally flushing the toilet before I, doing it. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that either. Yeah, and and no, I think you're right that it's like women are it's it's like it's like young girls just know you're about to see a lot of blood in the bathroom for the rest of your life and not just that too but you talking about like the power dynamic it's also like this is bred out of a woman who was in power but basically had a terrible life because of her power yeah and so it's also like you see this woman who had power yeah but like i don't know it's interesting but i think that the story of mary tudor is interesting in itself it's like she was brought into the world in a very hostile environment of male-dominated heirs. Yeah. She became ruler anyway, but then it became, like, her passion to have a male heir and anyway, she and she couldn't do it. And it was, like, her her story of phantom pregnancy is, like, one of the kind of, like, earliest in docu- Like, I mean, there's been lots of stories of phantom pregnancy throughout history, but hers is, like, one of the most famous occurrences of it kind of taking right. place. But it's this hysteria. It was the hysteria that Henry- it perpetuated a lot in his yeah. reign of like I have to have a male heir, which is just so ironic that it like set the set the stage for the first queen of England. It is true, yeah. yeah. That's that's interesting. So it's a different part of this whole game of Mary, but the Mary as a person historically is fascinating. But I don't the thing for me is like I don't get the connect of how she would become the mirror game. Like that's what's missing. In the right. research for us. I, yeah, I, I see that. I, I think, like, 
there is something interesting about the idea of like she was so obsessed with having a child and now this is quite literally a young girl's game of calling out to her of like calling out to her and like I like there are there are stories of the woman in the mirror like reaching out to them and so there's like there's some sort of interesting literary you know allegory of like oh, reaching sure. to the young women like who have their life still ahead of them and I don't that's, know that's the story yeah like as a lot of them say like well she hasn't doesn't physically grab them but like the reflection of her on their is bodies reaching. is reaching and yeah. they can feel like her presence or a cold yeah. wind or breath on them from that so so I do like I definitely see the connect in that in that way of looking at it for sure but because like the story like 80s and 90s are when these stories started getting like reported in such a way and I'm curious as to why even though like several articles have said like the legend of bloody mary as a, as a, a game has been probably going on since like the 30s or 40s yeah i don't i don't know like i i wonder what really was the catalyst for the game part of it and i genuinely like i i don't know i think it's like any like local tale that then goes on to like spread to lots of other places that's like we don't really know where the story started but we know lots of cities or lots of towns around here all believe in it or have something like it that they use but we don't know the source of it but it's spread in such a dramatic way like it obviously started somewhere but now it's the game of bloody mary is very widespread yeah but i keep coming back to the to the idea of like it is I don't know that I ever realized how obviously coded it was until we did this episode, that it literally takes place in a bathroom. It is about a woman. Sometimes she is seen throwing a child or baby. She is bloody. It is like, it is so coded that the other part of me is like, did somebody make up this game in a weird attempt to either? I can only see two reasons for like an adult to make up this game. I a weird twisted way of explaining menstruation to their kid or a I'm going to make fun of girls for this way. Like I feel like it has to be one of those extremes. If an adult came if, up with this. Yeah, <laughs> like if an adult did it. And and if it was a kid that also kind of blows my mind because then it's a kid who understands all of the coding of what it means to like be a woman. Right. And that's also fascinating to me. I don't know. I wish we knew. Yeah. And it's also, it could be completely separate from that, but the reason that it caught on, like the origin could be separate from that. And it was literally like, this is a ghost game. There is something interesting about mirrors as a phenomenon. Like we, we haven't talked a ton about, mirror Ooh, but, but i'd love to but it's yeah. there's something unique there like the whole like reflection how some people get reflections and some don't aka vampires and yeah. why that is but also how if you stare at a mirror for long enough like your eyes can your eyes can see different things whether or not it's there really there and, yeah so i'm sure that like legend began kind of focused around the mirror like that's got to right. be the significant starting point at least in my mind <laughs> It also brings up a question that I've had about, like, totally non-paranormal things where people are like, you know, who who thought, hey, I'm going to put this in my mouth and realize it's food, or I'm going to, like, put Anything. these two things together. Like, who 
who looked at a mirror and said, hey, I should say this phrase three times. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, Just to give it a go. How does that even start? And I and I also wonder, like, how many scary stories are just started, like, like that. Yeah. Like, just, the mood is right. I've got active listeners at my disposal. I'm going to scare them a little bit. Time is right. <laughs> <laughs> Another Christmas song. Simply having... I do, for Christmas. I do quite love that idea that that's actually a song about witches. Oh, yeah, I have heard that. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonderful like, Christmas. I have heard that. it's like, the, the moon is bright. It's like Time all these, like, right. yeah. it's like all these, like, very, like, pagan visuals and stuff. And then, and then there's, like, an arrow that says, and somebody somebody else walks into the room and then all of a sudden it's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, singing Christmas songs so nobody thinks that we're witches in the woods. So I still think there's like a lot of dots that need to be connected for me, but I think that brings us maybe to our verdict. Yeah. Honestly, not not haunted. haunted. Yeah. 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 But yeah, and I think it's because honestly the story's while creepy and I'm not going to tell you that like, kids don't experiencing experience weird things sure when they're by themselves in a mirror like sure but i think because the varying aspects of what people see is so scattered across the board yeah there's there's nothing super concrete about it yeah i i also like i firmly believe it lives in the world of urban legends which like we've talked about before that doesn't necessarily mean it can't have sparks of truth or be different things but I guess I feel like, like, the history is super interesting. I am super interested in, in the coded understanding Components of, it, of yeah. it. Um, I, I definitely know it's, like, a thing that so many people do, though. And I feel like because I have experienced growing up as a young girl at slumber parties, and I know, like, just the prevalence of those things and the fact that nothing happens to the vast majority except for like terrorizing your own friends yeah i i guess for me that's where i'm like ah there just well, there's just not enough reality to some of these stories to right. super lure me in that being said i'm not about to go in front of a mirror and do it right now that's not so we're gonna take a break so, here and we'll give it a try and report back yeah so like take it take my honestly not haunted with a grain of salt because yeah. like I don't want to test that We're out. putting this under the don't summon category. Exactly. And I'm not going to summon yeah. stuff from my mirror. And I feel like do. me me already having the verdict in my mind of I will not do this does mean that like I have a question mark at the end of my not haunted verdict. Because Upward inflection? Not haunted? Because if I like really firmly 100% thought it was complete and total BS with no chance of anybody changing my mind, I feel like maybe I would go do it. Yeah. But I'm just, to do it I'm just place, not about that. I have to do it someplace where I don't live. I'm still at least spooked by yeah. it. Let, like, I am spooked by it, even though I don't super believe in it a ton. Because for you and I, as, like, you know, it, big fans of the paranormal. And oh, yeah. The, like, this was likely our first introduction into this stuff yeah you say? Like, oh yeah like as a kid and this like he, bloody mary he, is kind of the intro he, yeah it really this. is like those are those are some of the first times you really get at, at least a conscious sense of it i know i've shared some of my stories of being a kid and some of that happened to me very very young but i don't think i was ever consciously aware of paranormal or scary stories until situations like slumber parties right. and things like that where where you get introduced to this and you get introduced to 
both the fun aspect, like you also get introduced to the fun aspects of telling scary stories and having those things happen with your friends and stuff yeah. like that. You also get introduced to why it's entertaining. And it's also, there's, we talked kind of like the power dynamic for girls and I'm sure it's similar like for prepubescent boys too. Maybe, like but there's like something special about something power dynamics and mental games of and girls. Men, and girl, there really is. It's so <laughs> We are twisted. emotional manipulators when we were in middle I school. I know. But there's this idea also with us telling a story a scary story, but also like Bloody Mary kind of falls into that. The idea, like when you are telling a scary story and you do it well, yeah, like, a power is like invested basically in you by those who are listening. Yeah, like it's captivating, and so there's there is a power in there. being able to tell that story and gain their attention and an interest. Yes, and that they are captivated within the story, perhaps enough to even want to go try it yeah or if you do it well enough that they'd be too scared to, to try, try it. it so that that's a component too that i find fascinating and so i can't yeah so again there's like pieces that need to be connected for me like i don't get the correlation between bloody mary exactly with mary tudor right she makes a lot of sense historically for it to be and i do see the comparisons there especially if we brought in like a whole menstruation baby thing yeah like it does make a lot of sense there too, but the idea where but it started, ha- but it, but the game starting so so much later than that is or having is stories where so late, yeah, is yeah. where that's kind of a disconnect. Just not sure, and it probably exists out there somewhere. Oh, I'm just, sure, yeah. I just don't know where. And we maybe find different it. iterations called different things, and yeah. I think I think there's a lot of cultures that have a version or their own version of a Bloody Mary story. Mm-hmm. I think there's different types that fall into the same kind of realm of those stories. It's like, I feel like we've stumbled upon an area of paranormal, of like ritual converted yes. into a game. Yes. And there's something very odd and creepy about that. Very, a very fascinating, intriguing element. Cause it's like rituals have existed forever and ever and ever and ever. As and long. what makes a game different than a, a ritual? ritual? And why do all of a sudden children have access to said rituals. ritual games? Yeah. yeah. That's a weird thing to think about. It is fascinating. But anyway, interesting things. <laughs> a little bit of a history lesson on Christmas, the Tudors, and a very uh, awakening adolescent game. <laughs> awakening. <laughs> I don't know if awakening is the right word. That makes it sound like somebody did this game and then was like, you know who looked good in that mirror? <laughs> <laughs> the guy next to me. <laughs> oh, I was who... going to go with Bloody Mary. Oh. <laughs> no. Mary can get in. Bloody Mary was my sexual awakening. Bloody <laughs> Mary was my sexual awakening. You know, that sounds like a bio on a, like, a Tinder app or something. It does. If I was not a married woman and I still had to go out into the dating scene, which honestly haunted enough there. Like, haunted. That, I'm so happy that I don't have to do that. But uh, I would I would take that, and so you know what I'm granting that to people. Granting, yes. If you feel free to, <laughs> hey, if it helps you up your game. My sexual awakening was bloody was playing Bloody Mary. <laughs> it would definitely get you some questions at least. It would. So you have to have a good story to go with it, obviously. For yeah. So so but think about it. Think about it and get back to us, and we'll be back with more. Honestly, haunted. Thank you, as always, for listening to Honestly Haunted. Please follow us on social media at Honestly Haunted and consider becoming a Patreon supporter to help us continue to grow. If you haven't already, leave us a five-star review. We'll be back with more Honestly Haunted. Honestly Haunted.